I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Good morrow, kind sir. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Callum Patterson celebration to my Will Volk celebration. It's Justin Peach. How are you? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm I'm tired. It's a late one for us, but you know, yeah. we've got in all of the football, so I can't wait to cover exactly. it. Happy International Women's Day. Yeah, really good. Mm. Which woman inspires you? In- inspires me or inspires mm-hmm. me? Poor, poor use language. Um, you put me on the spot there. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't have an answer prepared. Do you want a bit of time to think about it? Yeah, I'll ask, I'll ask you at the end of the episode. Okay, okay. Then uh, you can let me know who inspires you as a woman. Um, welcome to the second tier podcast. As I say, this is the Championship Specialist Podcast, where we talk all things Championship football. Uh, unfortunately, we're both not very well. Um, I have a cough. Um, of uh, it's a really bad cough as well. So if it uh, affects this episode, then you'll know what's wrong with you. Just a bit dizzy. I just felt terrible before we came on. So it's probably because I got to spend the next hour and a half of you. But yeah, yeah, that's completely understandable. It does happen. Uh, but it has been another, another interesting week of Championship football. Justin, three relegation six pointers. We'll start with the biggest one, in my opinion. That is, it was at the Bet Three Six Five Stadium where there was a spanking. Stoke Five. Hull won an unbelievable performance from Michael O'Neill's side. And they could have won it by more because Mm -hmm. Hull were abysmal once again. Yeah, no, it's hard to disagree with that. Um, Please use other superlatives rather than spanking, by the way. You have to to broaden your range of vocabulary here. It's it's my my thing. I, I like saying teams deliver spankings. Okay. There's another spanking later as well. Uh, that's fine then. I just yeah, warn everybody that you're going to use it. Everybody. Okay. What did you make of this spanking? Uh, well, Particularly brutal. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a Stoke side who have been fairly below average all season. They yeah, haven't inconsistent. Really... Would be a good. One. Well, you spend crap in the first half of the season. You spend <laughs> you spend two thirds of a season in the bottom three. That's not inconsistent. That's terrible. And I'd say inconsistent recently. Yeah, yeah, recently. Um, you know, and with the result, obviously the five-one, you'd start to expect. Well, you expect Stoke to start to push for safety now because they've got the squad to do it, and they're starting to deliver. It's two-thirds over two-thirds of the way through the season, and it's finally happening for them. Um, and we know that they've got good players. Yeah, you, you say it's finally happening for them. I, I don't want to say that it is done just yet because there've been plenty of times this season where we thought Stoke would pull away, mm. and then they've had a couple of bad results and they've been dragged straight back into it they are three points clear of the bottom three though um it's worth pointing out stoke would have been in the bottom three had they lost this as yeah. well which as you say just yeah, shows the craziness it shows the craziness of the relegation battle in the championship at the moment uh stoke hadn't scored three times in a game for 88 matches before michael o'neill was appointed they've done it six times in his first 22 league games 
Well, he's obviously put in a bit of confidence into side. And I think a big part of that is is Nick Powell, who was absolutely magnificent yesterday. Um, he is a gifted player, and on his day, when he's when he's fit and in form, he can be a top top player. Arguably one of the the best creative midfielders in the league. Yeah, when he's at his peak, you know he wasn't at Man United for no reason. Um, and as I say, against Hoy, it was it was absolutely magical. Yeah, um, when he stays fit, he's yeah. a bloody quality player. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And, he epitomised it um, yesterday. He scored twice. He had fifty touches of the ball. Completed two of his dribbles. Won three three kicks. You know, it shows that he was always active and receiving the ball, and, and he was he was busy, and he he really helped Stoke, you know, get the win yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I think if Stoke do stay up this season, which I think they will do, then they could be very good next season with the likes of Powell if he stays fit. Tyrese Campbell is just getting better and better. They've got a good side, and Michael O'Neill is really. Turning the screw now at uh, Stoke, isn't he? They no one has won more games than Stoke in 2020. Yep. They are looking like the real deal now, and Michael O'Neill is slowly having an influence over this side. No, definitely. I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's to be all and end all next season, but for Stoke, it's F- FFP is a three-year turnaround, isn't it? That's and, the concern, and they're, they're not profiting. So next year really is the last year they can make a push for promotion before mm. they have to start cutting slashing the budget and, and complying with FFP that's the one concern that I have for them for uh, any chances of promotion next season they're going to have to start that selling job this summer aren't they I imagine Butland will go um, I'm not sure how much money they'll get they won't, certainly won't get as much as they would have last summer yeah they, they, they need, they'll need to sell a few players, but they've got a good few academy players coming through as well yeah, who'll I be able to fill the gap. That's the impressive thing, because again, Campbell was, was good yesterday leading the line, and he's he's coming the Stokes side. I think O'Neill's really pushed him on, uh, and obviously Nathan Collins is in, is in and about as well, so there, there's there's a couple there to build on. Yeah, exactly. And that, the other thing is that a lot of the players they have there who are high earners are players in their peak who aren't really that sellable at the moment. No. So th- that is a concern. Butland will probably have to go and we'll have to wait and see what happens in the summer. Uh, Sam Klukas didn't celebrate. He wasn't fucking doing that against Swansea, was he? Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I completely forgot because I was like, was it Hull that he wasn't liked that, or was it Swansea? And then you sort of remember, okay, the celebration against Swansea yeah. might, might give you a bit of a clue there. But again, he he's quality. He's a quality player. And you don't realise how old he is. How old is he? It's like 28, 29. Yeah, um, <laughs> but he's been absolutely magnificent for Stoke all season. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm sure he's on double figure goals. And he's he's been the standout player anti yeah. for Stoke, especially during that bad run. He mm-hmm. was the one who really came out with any credit really yeah. during that first half of the season. <coughs> I've coughed twice already. You can see how bad it is. Uh, Hull, on the other hand, uh, as we say, they're an absolute shambles at the moment. They've conceded 25 goals in their last eight games. 25 yeah. Justin that's that's not a low number that is unbelievable mm-hmm. and we've said how their squad is seriously lacking quality at the moment seriously lacking quality they are in dire straits and the way things are going they've fallen from out of the playoff picture to a dark horse to relegation to massively in the relegation battle and they're now looking like the team outside of the bottom three who is most likely to go down well, it, it's unbelievable it, how they have gone so south so quickly. <laughs> it's it will take a worse team than them to to stop them going down, and it's I don't think there is one. 
to be quite honest. The squad is decimated. They're the worst team in the league in terms of form. And as you mentioned, 25 goals in eight games is <laughs> horrendous. Um, in that bottom six, there's not a side that is in a worse state than them. No. It's, I mean, Middlesbrough are running them close. But at the moment, Hull are up. They're the worst team in the league. Well, Borough look like... Well, I mean, we'll get on to Borough, but they look like they might have turned, a, turned the corner. But Hull need a miracle. Mm. They need a miracle because they can't score. They can see too many. The squad is... It's gone. Uh, McCann's on his, on it. Yeah, mm. I feel sorry for him. Because I do as well. It's not really his fault. Uh, it's mm. hard to, it's hard to give the manager much credit when they've gone on this horrible run where they've won once in twenty twenty. But there, I don't think there's much he could have done really because injuries, selling your two best players. It's gonna have an impact. I mean, it boils down to recruitment. The, the turnover in the whole side. Look at the players that they've sold. Recently, since they came down to the Premier League, and Curtis Davis, Tom Huddleston, they've gone. Klukas, um left as well. You know, there's there's been a high turnover of players, and a lot more than that. Um, and it and that is ultimately what has put pushed them into this avenue. You look at Fraser Campbell last season, who you know he scored twelve goals. He he would be a lot better in the in this side, or help, a lot more useful than the likes of Tommy's and Josh McGuinness. Yeah, yeah. At the Valley, it was Middlesbrough 1, Charlton 0. Paddy McNair with the goal. Borough's first win since New Year's Day. And you've got to say, this is a massive win for Borough. But how massive is it? Well, you, you consider that Hall lost. Um, Wigan and Luton both picked up a point each. Um, it's a massive result. It mm. is a massive result. And obviously they beat Charlton, who, you know, this game was a six-pointer in that sense because they're, they're both in similar... Um, Bains of form so yeah huge result mm. and you think this will be a turning point for Middlesbrough you said well, I watched the game on Monday night against Forest and I thought Borough were, they look really good at times they're getting the best out of Rudy Gestead um, lovely seeing back I, I love Big Rudy <laughs> well he's, he's a bit like Matt Smith he's quite limited in a sense but he's oh he's very limited he's, he's dangerous in the air oh yeah and and they used it to, to their advantage on Monday <coughs> Can you stop coughing, please? I can't help it. It's really <laughs> bad. <coughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, and, and they're using it to, to their advantage. Obviously, the goal against Charlton didn't involve Gisted to, to, to great extent, and obviously McNair got the goal. Um, but I can see them maybe just missing out on relegation. The thing is, you've got Barnsley and Luton, haven't you, who are cut adrift a bit at the bottom. They It will take a massive effort for those two to turn that around yeah. and it would take someone like Middlesbrough to basically not win any games for the rest of the season now. <laughs> so they might be lucky in the case that Hull are absolutely terrible, Charlton are struggling yeah, and they might just stay up because there aren't any teams worse than Middlesbrough. Well, exactly. It comes down to that. It's a good time to, to, to be a shit side mm. because there are worse, there are, there are terrible, terrible sides um, down there which... Sort of doesn't make sense, but yeah, it does. We'll go with it. Uh, Steve Gibson has given Jonathan Woodgate the vote of confidence. It's when you've got to look at this in context, really, haven't you? Because Middlesbrough, in terms of what they were looking to achieve this season, I don't think expectations were particularly high because <laughs> they basically went with Woodgate in his first job. He was the cheap option, and then. They didn't really do much business in the summer, mm-hmm. did they? No. And then in January, they brought in a few players, but they've not really worked out so far. Um, 
So really, I suppose Jonathan Woodgate would it would be harsh to sack him, really, wouldn't it? I mean, and we've given him plenty of stick, and he's still got a lot to learn before he can be called a good championship manager. But when Steve Gibson gives him the job, he's got to give him a chance, hasn't he? I suppose. Well, he's, I mean, Steve Gibson's sack managers for less. You look, you go back to when he sacked Gareth Southgate. I think they were in the playoffs, weren't they? That's going way back to two thousand nine. Very far yeah, back. Well, the, you know, the, he he left. Karanka. They sacked Karanka when they were in the Premier League. I know they were going to go down, but you know, he sacked managers for less. I think I wouldn't be surprised if if Woodgate goes at the end of the season or before the end of the season. Um, if it things... sounds like if Woodgate were to not have a job anymore it would be a case of he has to go as opposed to Steve Gibson sacks him I don't think Woodgate would resign I, just don't, I don't think, think he would <laughs> because he seems like he is very confident about his abilities mm-hmm. uh, Burroughs remaining games are very mid-table very mid-table Justin they don't have to play any of the top six and only Stoke and Hull from the teams in the relegation battle so would you say that's a positive that the teams that they have to play don't necessarily have anything to play for uh, for the rest of the season? I don't know. It's it's hard to it's hard to gather. You know, you got teams that are in the top ten, sort of. Well, top. You, I think you go down to QPI thirteenth, fighting for the playoffs. So if Borough have got games against any of those sides, I think it's going to be a struggle. And then obviously you have got teams that are in the bottom six who are fighting for their lives. Mm. Um, what games have you got? You've got a group of about six, seven teams that you can maybe judge that. Yeah, yeah. Perception on. I, I just don't think any game is 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 an easy one, is an easy one in championship. Yeah. Go back to the Middlesbrough Charlton game though. Charlton had some good chances yeah. in this game, and maybe we're a bit unlucky to uh, leave the game with nothing. Uh, should Charlton have had at least a penalty? I can't remember it. From being honest with you. Well, there was two actually. Lau Taylor was booked for diving after a collision in the box, and then he was pulled down on the line from a corner. The first one is a bit hard to judge. The second one, I don't know what the defender's doing. He's got his arms all around him. and he, he was like a wrestling move. It was like a German suplex. Well, especially with grappling. Um, I'm not going to mention VAR, but there was a time where referees clamped down on it massively. They gave mm. a penalty for everything. I don't know if it was the start of last season or the season before, but it was literally so many penalties and free kicks for, for grappling and they seem to have softened the stance a little bit. So, I mean, Charlton have been quite unlucky this season in terms of refereeing decisions. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another relegation six-pointer, but this one was nowhere near ex- as exciting as uh, the first one. Uh, Wigan nil, Luton nil, three shots on target all game. Uh, not a great game, but it's also not a great result for either side, really, is it? I always take the opposite side of the <coughs> spectrum there. Um, I think it's a good result for, for both of them. It's another clean sheet for Wigan. Um, they're still unbeaten. They came up against a different side uh, in in Luton and what they normally come up against. And for Luton, from their perspective, it keeps their decent run for, run of form going as well. So they can build on it, and it, t- and it takes more bottom as well. Yeah, I, I suppose from the Luton perspective, it's a good point. But when you look at their position, they need more than just a point at this moment in time, don't they? And when it's a a team who are only just a few places above them, I know we can have picked up in form recently, but three points is what they need ultimately. Otherwise, they're yeah. just not going to let, get let, out of the trouble they're in. Let's put it into a bit of perspective. They've been so poor away from home and I think this clean sheet 
and draw is 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 as big as is a win in some in some sense. Um, as I say, it it breeds confidence when you start getting results away from home, and and they've done that. Yeah, Wigan picked up some brilliant results recently, and but they are still very much amongst the relegation battle, aren't they? Two points from safety, which. Is it interesting because when we spoke last week, it looked like they had created themselves a nice little cushion. There's never a cushion. There's never a cushion. It's a false cushion. It's a pillowcase, but with no feathers inside of it. Okay. That is a false cushion. That is definitely a false cushion. Uh, Leeds move top with a 2-0 win over Huddersfield. A professional, comfortable performance by Leeds. Luke Ayling's folly. Oh, and his hair. Uh, I was going to say Luke Ayling's hair. More like, yeah. Which one do you want to talk about first? Um, let's let's start with his hair, and then we can then we can mm. ooze over the goal. It's a marvelous mane, isn't it? It is, but he's, he's had that for a couple of years, hasn't he? Yeah, but you don't realise how nice it is until he takes it out because the ponytail hides yeah. how marvelous his mane is. How glorious it is! It is glorious, and I'd like to see it more. If, in all honesty, just out and about, flowing yeah. while he's running down the wing. Yeah, beautiful, be great. Uh, the volley, then. What did you make of it? I'd have. It's, it's he's been he's been sabotaged by his own brilliance, I think. Okay. It was a good goal. It was a brilliant goal, magnificent goal. But he did it in training the day before. Right. Okay. I did see this. Yeah. So unfortunately, <coughs> he's got he's got previous. He's got it already. Takes it takes a bit away from it for me. I disagree. <laughs> I think it was a marvelous volley. It was it was very you know that Robin van Persie volley against Charlton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that. It was beautiful. It, it, he met it well, and the keeper had no chance. Yeah, you you do well when you, when he's running at like the pace he is as well because yeah. he's come from yeah, yeah, yeah. deep. He's timed his run beautifully. He you've got to do extremely well to time it and get it on target. Mm-hmm. And the way he struck it, it's just a beautiful. Beautiful goal from Luke Ayling. I wanted to ask you, where does he rank for you in terms of the best fullback in the championship? Um, it's, it's a good, it's a good question. The, the, the right backs that stand out for me are you know, ones like Matt, uh, Matty Cash, yeah, uh, Maxim Collan at, at Birmingham. Um, their, their quality is great. Luke Ayling would rank very high, but he's been used centrally a lot this season for Leeds, you know, with injuries and whatnot. He's filled in at, at centre half. Um, so for me, I, I think when he's got a run of games at, at fullback, at wing back, whatever, right back, he's he's, he's really really good. Um, yeah. It's just this season he probably wouldn't be in that category because of the amount of games he's played at centre back as well. Yeah, he stepped up a bit really this this season, Anthony, because last mm-hmm. season he was he was solid mm-hmm. and did a very good job. But this season he's gone that step further. Yeah. And, I mean, he's got three goals in twenty twenty. So fair play to him and. Uh, Going back to the question, I'd say he's up there with cash. It's between those two for best fullback yeah. in the league. Uh, but Leeds are in top gear now, mm-hmm. and it's a pleasure to watch into it when they are playing as well as they are at the moment. Well, no, exactly. It's they, as I say, they're banging, <coughs> they're banging form, and it's that's a frightening thing for West Brom because they 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 seem to be stuttering a little bit um, while Leeds has just kicked up another gear. They, we knew they were only cruising in third or fourth gear, mm. um, even when they're form wise it, it dipped. We knew they were. Still creating chances, still getting getting opportunities, but just weren't taking them. Um, and now they're now they're doing it. You can see the quality and confidence it, it breathes. Yeah, and they are one hell of a beast when they get going, yeah. aren't they? And they look at this moment like they're going to smash the league because it's been close for a lot of the season, mm-hmm. but now it looks like they're in full flow. Yeah, and they could just go on and. Ease to winning the whole league now. Well, it was around about this time they started to 
stutter last season, wasn't it? Yeah, but they've um, had this stutter, haven't they? Yeah, and you know, there's never a good time for a stutter, but it, there was a good time earlier on in the season to have it rather than now. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And it, it, I'd be very surprised if they stuttered again now. Would you? Yeah, as long as they keep everybody fit. Um, and I would say players are getting picking up form. Bamford scored yesterday, which is massive for his own confidence. Um, and Augustine's not really had a run of games yet, so no. there's still players to come in. Yeah, absolutely. Can't criticise Huddersfield too much, can you, from this? No, but it, it was a it was a bad weekend, I guess. You know, Reading won. Um, mm. Obviously, if you're going to break into that middle bottom half, you know, Reading winning is not going to help. Stoke and Borough won as well, and obviously Luton and Wigan both picked up points. You know, I can see them staying up, but it's one of those they've got the quality of players to do it, but they still need to be cautious. Yeah. Um, but we've pretty much said it with every team that's gone to Ellen Road this season. It's you know, if you lose there, it's not the worst thing in the world. No, no. Uh, well, that's why I say you can't criticize. Yeah, because they're dominant now. But because Huddersfield did pick up two very nice wins before this, but mm-hmm. um, a, a loss away at Ellen Road isn't. Too much to be disappointed about, really. Uh, at Griffin Park, there was a royal spanking issued. Oh, yeah. Brentford won by five goals to <laughs> nil over Sheffield Wednesday. Emiliano Marcondes with the pick of the goals. What can you say? This was Brentford back at their very best, wasn't it? If, you, if you're going to say it was Brentford back at their very best, I mean, very pedantic today. <laughs> would would Watkins and, and Bimo and Ben Rama all scored more? Obviously, Watkins and Ben Rama didn't score, but Mbomo did. Would that be Brentford back at their best? What do you mean? Well, the best players scoring goals. This is a terrible argument. I don't get. I don't get what your point is. This is what I meant earlier. I'm not feeling very well. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, no, Brentford are losing confidence. Um, other players getting on the score sheet, which has been a bit of a missing link in parts of this season. Yeah, I know. What you, mean. Um, you know, they went five out of win, which weirdly is their worst run of the season, even though. We criticised them at the start of the season because they didn't start very well. Mm. Um, so it's all, someone's gone under the radar a bit, but six shots on target and five goals is, is very efficient. Clinical. Yeah. Very clinical. Um, Josh De Silva got two of them. Mm-hmm. If he gets back to his best because he has gone off the ball recently, then he'll be very important mm-hmm. for Brentford for the business end of the season. Tarek Fosu with his first goal. You're a big fan of him, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. It was Superb at Oxford um, in the first half of the season, and then obviously moving to, moving on to Brentford. You know him and him and Baptista astute signings. Um, but as I say, Fosu's got good potential there. Um, but going back to to BMW, everyone raves about BMW. You know Ben Rama got two assists and, and Boehmer got a goal and assist, which is which is quality. But Watkins didn't get a goal or assist. So no, yeah, he's pretty rubbish, isn't he? <laughs> well, when it's great though, isn't it when? Your top scorer doesn't need to get oh, involved know, exactly. in this kind of thing, and they're still spanking teams. Yeah, there you go. Um, as you mentioned, it was uh, Brentford's worst uh, run of the season, and you'd hope that this will be a turning point for them because uh, we are getting into the business end of the season now. Mm-hmm. Automatic promotion is probably out of reach yeah. now because yeah, of definitely. that run, uh, but it'll be great for them to head in to head into the playoffs in form. Let's talk Sheffield Wednesday. Because they are also a shambles at the moment. Yep. Gary Monk apologised for this performance, <laughs> Again. unsurprisingly. <laughs> Again. <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, does he need to be sacked? Uh, where do they go? Because well, they've sacked Jos Lurkai, they've sacked Carlos Carvalho, and it's not worked. 
they're sacking they're sacking another manager don't think is going to work but I can't see how he can continue with the way things are because he's something has clearly happened behind the scenes there is well he's lost Westwood he's lost is it Hutchinson yep and uh, David Bates yeah ex- experienced players behind the scenes and it's 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 all going pear shaped. There's a toxic toxic atmosphere at the club at the moment, and when the manager in charge has overseen this, the questions have got to be raised about his future. I when you put it like that, yeah, you've got, you've got to agree. <laughs> oh, I'm very good at my at my arguments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, do do they need to see the season now and get it get it get Monk into the summer, and then completely refresh the side. If they didn't have the threat of a potential points deduction looming over them, I don't. I just. I. I think there'd be anger, but it's almost like okay, we need to ship out a lot of the deadwood in the summer. Let's get to the summer and do it, because like, you know, at Christmas, Sheffield Wednesday were third. Yeah. Um, which <laughs> when you, might when not you which might out. not make you feel better, Sheffield Wednesday fans. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is. Again, ignore the ignore the looming points deduction. You know, you you might finish mid table or lower mid table, and you get to the summer, and then you can ship out the deadwood. Steve Bruce said when he first joined, he's going to need two, three, four transfer windows to refresh the side, and it does need refreshing. Um, as we've as we've seen, it's a stale side, and players need to move on. There's a lot of high earners there that are getting older, and as I say, they, they need to move on. I don't think sacking Monk is the right thing to do. But if they did sack him now, then it gives whatever new manager there is a bit of time to get to know his players and head into next season. Don't know what league they'll be in next season. Uh, yeah. But I, do, I don't think... Well, who's going to want to go with that? Nathan Jones. He'd, he'd <sighs> fancy a crack. Maybe. Someone like him. I don't think pressing the reset button every time things go wrong is the right thing to but, do. There's things going wrong, and then there's things going this wrong, and it's clear that it's not just going wrong on the pitch; it's going wrong behind the scenes as well. Sure, there's the argument that people at the very top of the club need to be asking themselves a few questions, and I think those questions will be asked. Mm. But at, on the pitch as well, there's a very good chance that if things don't turn around soon, then Sheffield Wednesday could be in League One next season mm. if they do get a points deduction. Yeah. Well, that's it. If they get a points reduction, they they they're fighting relegation. I mean, they're only nine points off the relegation zone, which is yeah. it, it, from rele- relegation zone terms, that is quite a big margin. But it'll be interesting to see where they would finish if they didn't get a points deduction. Um, one, one final point. One of the reasons why Gary Monk has annoyed a lot of Sheffield Wednesday fans is that he keeps in persisting with players who aren't performing very well one of those players is Cameron Dawson again he was um, terrible again he's, the first one in particular was awful yeah. I don't know what he was doing no, he just it, punched it straight to yeah. I can't remember what it was it was De Silva wasn't it yeah it, 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 well he's, it, Westwood's not in the picture so he's got to persist with Dawson yeah um, yeah I think a few clubs have dodged a bullet there with him signing a new contract um, uh, you he is shooting himself in the foot, but who have Wednesday got to turn to? Kieran Westwood, just apologise. 
Uh, on Friday night, there was a shock at the city ground as Forrest were beaten 3-0 by Millwall. Matt Smith with a hat-trick. Forrest, I've had quite a few poor performances at home this season, haven't they? And, yeah. Which, when you're trying to chase promotion, is not ideal. Nope. Uh, one win in their last six has really ruined any chance of automatic promotion for them. Uh, because they did have a genuine chance at one point, didn't they? It was really after that Leeds game where it looked like they had a very good chance. But that, it's all yeah. gone a bit tits up since then. That was the time to pounce, wasn't it? Because yeah. Leeds were just coming out of their bad run of form and Forest were in fairly decent form. Obviously, that 1-0 win and then Lemusha <laughs> changes things against Charlton and it all goes tits up. Well, they've kind of swapped paths, really, because yeah. Forest have now won once since that Leeds game or Leeds have won mm. five out of six it's weird how that happens really yeah. isn't it? Um, at, at this point Lamushi just needs to focus on getting the players back in form doesn't he yes well solidifying <coughs> the playoffs because as you say you never know um, in the championship but you know it was poor it was the same old story from them in the sense that they lacked a cutting edge lacked a bit of creativity um, I still think they're the better side in the playoffs in terms of you know, it's over two legs. Forrester, very organised. But there's obviously weaknesses in the side. Yeah. Uh, well, one of the weaknesses at the moment is going forwards because the goals yeah. have dried up. Uh, Graben's only got one goal in eight now, yeah. um, which isn't ideal because he was one of the only players scoring goals earlier in the season. And we've spoken before about the creative players behind Graben not uh, potentially chipping in with uh, goals themselves. Yeah. And also... Um, not being at top gear this season as well. So there, there's things Lamushi needs to look at to uh, strengthen this Forest side mm-hmm. heading into the playoffs. And it'll be interesting to see how he does with that, really, won't it? Yeah, uh, and I don't think they're going to come up against Amat Smith every week either. No, he is a pain, isn't he, when I he has games like this? love Matt Smith. <laughs> this man needs more respect. You 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 speaking about Jed Wallace last week and saying Millwall were a one man team with Jed Wallace. Yeah. Matt Smith has bailed Millwall out countless times this season. Yeah, but he doesn't do it enough though. He, and well, the, the, my argument with Matt Smith, I, I do like Matt Smith because he he has a job and that job is to n- <laughs> knock down anything that's thrown towards him and he does a very good job of it. Um, but he, he is having his best season. Yeah, definitely. But. Oh, excuse me, this cough. This cough is killing me. <coughs> I'll continue. Um, he has been a bit inconsistent this season. and we you say know. That. He's got 11 and 33, which is 1 in 3. Yeah, yeah. Which is a very good strike rate for a uh, target man. It is. But before Friday, that that tally wasn't looking as doesn't matter Ryan as juicy the the argument with him is if you play with him you've got to suit your style of play to him because otherwise he he just doesn't work yeah no absolutely he's better suited off the bench I do agree with you there but he has strengths that I don't think any other striker in the championship has you're looking maybe at Lukas Jukovic who He's the best all-round target man in the league in the sense that he's a bit more mobile mm. than Smith. He can get involved in the play a lot more. And he's um, very good-looking. Actually, Matt Smith's a very good-looking okay, man as well. Yeah. <laughs> um, completely useless points, but I yeah. stand by it. Uh, Millwall had won 1-8 in eight prior to this game, which mm. is why this result was a bit of a shock. Um, 
But because all the teams chasing the playoffs have been absolutely terrible recently, yeah. uh, Millwall are still very much amongst it. They're eighth and two points off top six. Well, you, I mean, you, you pit the nail on the head with every team that are fighting for the playoffs or are in the playoffs have been useless at times. Yeah. Um, Preston again lost. You know, it, it opens it opens it up very nicely for a neutral. But that's why I said going down to QPR in thirteenth, they've got a chance of getting in the playoffs. It's an outside chance, but. When you're only five, six points off them, you're thinking, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. Well, as you mentioned, the, the Preston result really opened up the playoff race. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost 3-1 to QPR, despite the Rangers being down to 10 men when the scores were one all. Um, we expected Preston to secure that sixth place with their run of games because it was a very uh, juicy run of games. But now you look at it and you wonder whether Preston will be able to maintain it. Yeah, no, definitely. They, I mean, it's it's a good start, but they, you know they've been fairly blunt recently. They've not created a lot of chances, and they've not really been taking the ones that they have created. And I think mm. I mentioned it last week, but that lack of a, a quality number nine is really harming them at the moment. Because like Lewis Graben, when he's at his peak, he can he can he only needs one chance and he'll score it. They need a striker like that. They're not cheap, and obviously press and do things a little bit differently in terms of their recruitment. So they're not going to spend four or five million pounds on a 15, 20 goal striker. Um, they could have done with someone on loan, really, couldn't they? Yeah, they could have. And there were, there were players available. Um, who did we, who were we thinking? I know we mentioned it in the in the January transfer window, players that would have suited. Uh, Enketia. Yeah. We were saying yeah. that Enketia would have been perfect at Preston. Well, Enketia would have been perfect at a lot of clubs, yeah. but uh, he's getting plenty of game time at Arsenal now, isn't he? So, uh, unfortunately, that wouldn't be the case. But th- there were players available, weren't there? Yeah. And, unfortunately, Preston uh, just couldn't get them at the end. Uh, um, they could have done with someone like Rian Brewster, I suppose, really, couldn't yeah, they? Yeah, no. It would have been yeah, very absolutely. good there. Very good. But, they, as you mentioned, Preston had some very good chances. So wasteful. So, so wasteful. And that has been... A bit of a pattern, really, this season for Preston. Mm-hmm. So whether that will cost them a playoff place, we'll have to wait and see. Ryan Manning's goal for QPR, though, absolutely beautiful. I mean, he was helped by Daniel Johnson's <coughs> complete like lack of awareness of the play moving towards <laughs> towards Manning, but he hit that lovely. Oh, yeah. He's... He, he was very good earlier in the season, yeah. but then um, he has been getting a bit of stick from QPR fans recently. But this has been a breakout season for him, hasn't it? And he, uh, you look at the chances created, he is right up there. He's, he's top by miles. He's he's much he's a much better wing back than he is a full back. If you know what I mean, he's much better in a. Th- uh, uh, when they play yeah, back, three. when he doesn't have to worry about his defensive duties as much because he is a winger. Yeah, who's but he's been at, who's pretty much been moved back to yeah, fullback. And I think that's, you know, kudos to, to Mark Warburton there for getting that consistency out of him because he, at one point, was looking like one of the best left-backs in the league. Obviously, the form dipped, but I think the form dipped while QPR dipped as well. Yeah. Um, but Next he, season, he could be a very important player for yeah. the country. If he, if he gets that form back that he showed at the start of this season, yeah. then QPR have got a real player on their hands. And he's still quite young as well. I wonder if he's been called up for Ireland yet. He did get called up. I'm not sure if he's played yet, though. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'd get him in there. Yeah, yeah. But he, he 
could be a top, top player, couldn't mm. he? Speaking of top, top players, easy. And to say Samuel, absolutely class as per usual. In fairness to QPR, we've got to give them a bit of credit, really, haven't they? Because mm. we thought when they lost Aki Wells, they might struggle a bit. But they've not done as bad as I was expecting them to do, have they? No, they're unbeaten in six. And, you know, again, against Preston, they came from behind to win the game. Yeah, I don't think I'd have seen that even when they're in good form at the start of the season. Um, they they look a lot, a lot more balanced now than they did earlier in the season, i.e. they're scoring and defending well. Yeah, the, the defensive side of things is interesting because mm-hmm. they haven't really changed too much, have they? They've just looked a bit more solid. Yeah, I, I mean, sometimes it comes down to play mentality. Really? It, it can come down to that, I guess. Um and I, I, I've mentioned it a couple of times already on, on this pod. I do think there is an out, outside chance for playoffs there because the form for teams above them or some of the teams above them has been terrible. Mm. And I'm sceptical about their playoff chances. There, there's there's a lot of teams going yeah, for the you, You've just got to look at the form and then the forms of the teams that are up there. As I say, it's an outside chance. I can see chance. where you're coming from. We've taken a break because I started choking on my own saliva, but we are back now. We'll carry on with at Ashton Gate, Bristol City and Fulham drew one all. Tom Kearney equalising late on. First point, uh, camera angle at Ashton Gate is absolutely horrible. It's up there with Fulham's camera angle at Craven Cottage. Mm. It seems to be getting higher and higher after every game. Yes, it's, it's a dizzying one, isn't it? I don't like it. It's so high. And from what I remember, well, I've been to Ashton Gate and... I don't remember the stand being that high. Well, when did you last go to Ashton Gate? Because they have redeveloped the stadium. I have been since it got redeveloped, I think. It, it just surprises me how high it is. It seems to be getting higher and higher. It might be, like, on the moon at some point, <laughs> watching the game from there. Uh, but it was a very even contest. Both had chances to score uh, more than the one, but a, f- a, fair, a point's a fair result, really, isn't it? Yeah, neither team was particularly great. Fulham really only turned it on into... Um, when Bristol City scored, that's mm-hmm. when they looked the most dangerous. Um, and Bristol City, you know, they were wasteful at times, both in possession and, and with some of the chances they had. I think Vyman broke away once um, and could have played Jeju in, but I think he gave the ball away. It, it's just summed both the teams up in the sense that they're slightly disappointing at times and underwhelming. Yeah, Fulham should have had a penalty though. It was a, it was a definite penalty for me. My my amper goes up for a cross, yeah. drops it, and then he just brings down. I think it was Ken. Yeah, the, 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 I was I was surprised that Kenny wasn't in more pain because it looked like it rolled his ankle quite badly as well. But yeah, I'd have given a penalty, but no one really claimed it. No, no one. It was an obvious it. penalty. Yeah. It was just. It was a stone waller. I, I can't look, believe look, it wasn't given. You think back to the rail one uh, for Brentford against Blackburn, where he goes through the Blackburn player. Yeah. And the referee gives a penalty for that. But then you look at this one where he nearly breaks uh, Kenny's ankle. And that's genuine. He nearly did break his, his yeah. ankle. Um, yeah. Inconsistent. Yeah. Very bizarre. Uh, this result, though, has dealt a big blow to Fulham's automatic promotion hopes, hasn't it? Out of context, it's a good point away at a playoff Jason's side, but that gap needs shortening, and three points is what you need pretty much every game at this point now, isn't it? It's not only that, but it, Fulham, they just, they've just they been very disappointing lately, and I think they, they can do so much better with the players that they have if they were just let loose a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Bristol City, lovely kit. Very yeah, nice kit, wasn't it? They've, have they blended them... Three kits 
together I'm because not, I think it's some I think it's an anniversary kit or something like that but I, I, I think that kit's better than that normal kit yeah no definitely I didn't realise that Bristol City design their own kits you mentioned this earlier in the season then it's not, they're not they don't have a kit maker yeah you they mentioned did, this earlier yeah, in the season on the pod yeah I don't know you did I remember you mentioning it well it just came back to me again and <laughs> I, I'm still equally like wow, wow no kit deal yeah but it is a lovely kit Big fan of it. No, I am a big fan of it. Yeah. Uh, two points from possible 15 uh, for Bristol City. This cough is just, it's even affecting my voice at this wow. point. Uh, I'm not sure how <laughs> Bristol City are still seventh, really, because of how poor they've been recently. Uh, so I'm in awe of your balls dropping finally. <laughs> yeah, um, I swear I'm not going through puberty again. Uh, yeah, they, they have been poor, especially, again, turn of the year. Their form's been pretty inconsistent and most recently really, really poor um yeah a draw against Fulham at home on paper looks a good result but for Bristol City's qualities they could have you know the way they hit teams on the counter-attack this season um they could have got a result here or sorry a win um but I don't know how they're still in the playoff picture but you can say that again for a lot of teams yeah it was a good performance though and they could easily go on a run from here couldn't they because that's how Bristol City roll no definitely Patchy form. Uh, West Brom fell off the top of the table after drawing 0-0 with Swansea. Not too many clear chances, but Swansea were probably the better side. From a West Brom perspective, it's not the res- it's not the result you want after losing to Wigan, really, is it? Well, yeah, I think if you if you not if you don't lose to Wigan, <coughs> a uh, a draw away at Swansea is not a terrible result because you know it's a draw away at a team chasing for the playoffs. It, it can be tricky, but they weren't. They weren't particularly great um, in this game. Um, a lot. They they not really. They, they didn't get going. Is what I'm trying to get at. Um, I think the best player on the pitch was Connor Townsend, which pretty much says what you need to say about it. And Swansea had the best chances. Yeah, West Brom will be all right, won't they? They they yeah. they're wobbling a bit. When I say a wobble, it's more it's it's a slight tremor. But with how much they've spent and how long they've been top of the table you'd be disappointed to lose out because of a bad run of form yeah you know it was there for the taking at one point um but they they, they sputtered as well and as i say you know jay fulton for swansea had two massive chances um they can't be giving away chances like that mm. uh, swansea it was better from them much yeah. better because mm-hmm. they've been really below par recently uh their next two games against borough and luton so they'll be looking to build upon this West Brom result and really push for the playoffs at this point. They're going to be difficult games. They're going to be very difficult games. They'll, they'll be fighting, game. but yeah. I mean, if you could pick two teams to play at the moment, apart from Sheffield Wednesday and Hull, I suppose Luton Borough would be them, wouldn't they? Yeah, but this is a fairly inexperienced Swansea side coming up against a team like Luton who have got season pros, albeit in the lower leagues, but... It's going to be tricky. Yeah, but I, I, I'd fancy Swansea to still have a decent crack at getting into the playoffs. They, they've got a decent position to build upon that. Uh, Cardiff boosted their playoff hopes with a 2-0 win away at Barnsley. Will Volks' celebration, very impressive. Uh, Callum Patterson's even better. Well, yeah, I guess if you're scoring them based purely on their ability to you know, be agile and the gymnastic element, then... You, you'd, you'd see Patterson edging that competition. Mm. Um, but, you know, Volks was, it was all right. Yeah. I mean, the little Volks celebration, in all seriousness, it's very impressive, isn't it? I don't think I've seen too many people be able to do a backflip just like that. 
It's like yeah. a gymnast. It's oh, it was a backflip, wasn't it? Yeah, you only yeah. ever see front flips. Yeah. Interesting. <coughs> well, it's, it's the way his arms are like out to the side as well, and he just glides. It's beautiful. Yeah. Elegance, some might say. It is the Olympic year, isn't it? Yes. So, Get him in. Call him up. If, Get him on the plane. I mean, he might be good. Well, he more likely will be going to the Euros with Wales. So there, there's a decision there. There you go. He's got to make a choice. Uh, two points off the playoffs now, Cardiff, which a bit surprising because they've kind of uh, gone a bit under the radar, really, with a, with yeah. a, their relatively average form. Uh, but they've got two tricky games coming up, so whether they are still in the playoff picture in a couple of weeks' time, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Dion Sanderson, who's on loan from Wolves, playing at right-back, looks a real player. Looks a real player. Yeah, he, he was pivotal in the... Patterson goal, wasn't he? Yeah, he's got um, the assist. Yeah. Um, and I think... I think they had Peltier, didn't they? For mm. a large portion of the season. Who yeah, yeah. isn't... Steady. Yeah. He's just steady. Um, so it, uh, it gives them a little little, little bit of something else, um, yeah. which, is, which is good for them. And obviously a clean sheet as well. So. Yeah. Two poor performances from Barnsley now. Seven points from safety. It's looking a bit like it might be out of, a, out of time for Barnsley at this point. Well, yeah, they had. I think they had six shots and you know, none on target. I don't know whether you can pay compliment to Cardiff's defending there um, or Barnes's lack of guile in front of goal. You know, it was it was a flat game for them, and you know they're making the same mistakes defensively that haunted them at the start of the season as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's not going to end well. I, th- I fear for Barnsley at this point in time because they score plenty of goals, but defensively. They let themselves down, and when they're not scoring goals, then they haven't really got much else to stand up for, really, have they? No. no. On Sunday, Derby picked up a 3-0 win over Blackburn. Uh, the headline here was Philip Koku, who shaved. Yeah. Looks a lot more fresh-faced and less less homeless now, doesn't it? Well, that's what supporting Derby does here, doesn't it? It ages you quickly. Oh, massively. Massively. Um, it's, it's all about the Holy Trinity, though, isn't it? Louis Sibley made his... Uh, first league start yeah. and looked absolutely phenomenal. If you haven't heard of him yet, you, you need to remember the name and learn about <laughs> this lad because he is looking like a real, real player. Yeah. We're, we're talking, I mean, uh, he's been compared to Will Hughes because of his blonde hair and he plays a bit like him as Left-footed well. Left-footed as well. Left-footed as well. Um, but Sibley, he is looking like a real talent, isn't he? Yeah, no, definitely. He's, he's he's very aggressive in his approach. He's, he's he's quick. He can find pockets of space. You just need to make sure you find him with passes. Yeah, he um, reminds me a bit of Jack Grealish in the way that he dribbles. He is not afraid of a challenge. He gets tackled quite a lot as well. He reminds yeah. me of that kind of player. Yeah, it's, when you draw comparisons like that, I know I did it last week as well, and you you pulled a funny face. But it's important not to. You know, it's not the quality; it's just the style that they play. In. Yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, the the aggression side of things is is massive. When you're attacking midfielder and coming through, you need to be aggressive because obviously you you get bullied, aren't you? Yeah. Um, but yeah, he he looked really good and he, he was picking up spaces um, all over the park. And Blackburn, who played two in the middle, they couldn't they couldn't go. No, only 18 years old. As I say, if you haven't heard of him before, you probably have him because he's only just broke into the first team. But keep keep an eye on him, Louis Sibley, top top player. But the holy trinity of uh, Jason Knight, Max Bird, and Louis Sibley. Three homegrown players coming through Derby's academy. Mm-hmm. It's impressive stuff from Derby, isn't it? And Max Bird is another one who I'm a big fan of. Well, they won the uh, 
academy league, didn't they, last season? Yeah. And obviously they've been on a European run this season, which is which is great for the academy. Um, but Max Bird, for me, has been the more impressive one out of probably all the Derby side since the turn of the year. Yeah. Um, he's been unbelievable. He's got he's got <coughs> the same same sort of composure as a as a seasoned pro. Mm. You know, the the game he play he's effortless with it. He's really really good. Yeah, really really good. In fact, there were five. Uh, homegrown academy players in the starting eleven for Derby, mm-hmm. so they've definitely changed their approach. They're not going with the big spending, throw money at the problem and see what it's happens. Better, isn't it? Uh, kind of tactic. Uh, so well done to Derby. Not too far from the playoffs now. I mean, you say QPR are in there. You are a pessimistic Derby fan, Justin. But do you think Derby <laughs> do have a chance of getting top six? When you five points well, off the playoffs? Well, exactly. No, when you're five points off the playoffs, you've got a thing. And obviously, QPR are a place below Derby and a point below. But it's the form of the players that are going to help. I mentioned Chris Martin last week. He's played 26 games. He's scored nine. He's got six assists. We gave Robson Carney the other week praise. He's got 10 in 31. So I think Martin, for me, is is, is going to be important in this final running. Um and as well as that, he, he needs a new contract because his overall contribution to Derby, especially in the last two games, has been massive and it shows the qualities that he has and what the the, the team needs in terms of going forward. Mm. Go back to the playoff picture, though. Mm-hmm. Do you think they've got a chance? No, definitely. That's, pretty, that's why I highlighted the, the, the player forms because you need players like him in the squad. You need forwards performing well, you know, scoring and creating goals to push them further up the table. And I think now they're in form. The, the sides in form. The one problem is with uh, Derby's playoff push, and uh, well, well, we all know about the away form. That's yeah. a that's a big issue. But the other issue is as well that their remaining games bit tricky. They're the lowest ranked team they have to play is Birmingham, yeah. uh, and there's also Reading. But apart from that, every other team in, they have to play is in the top half, which isn't ideal. It does mean though that it's in their hands. I suppose. No, no, definitely. But you've got to remember. That- you you put in form into that perspective. The sides in the top half have been very inconsistent. Mm. Other than Leeds, they've got Leeds West Brom. Um, other than those two, there's none of those sides have been very consistent of late. So, as a Derby fan, you're going into it in form while the teams you're up against are out of form. So it's probably a good time to play them. Yeah, let's talk uh, with about the uh, final game, which is the mid-table clash. Mid-table six-pointer. It's Birmingham Reading. Uh, Reading picking up a big win. Uh, it was an impressive win, a win that I wasn't particularly expecting because Reading have been uh, a bit poor recently. But a pretty good performance from them, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's three wins in the last six, and I think it's starting to show what they can do when their attack really starts to get going. Mm. Um, we we we've said a lot about their their attack, um, but as well as that, defensively they they've got some good players. They have got. Andy Yeardum, who was absolutely fantastic. He was really, really good against Reading. Uh, sorry, against Birmingham. Um, Matt Miagatsa, Mietzka, um obviously got the goal. Defensively superb. Michael Morrison, again, resolute. Uh, Neymar Richards, you know, steady. So there's a fine balance there. And obviously, Yaku Mete, what a player. Yeah, you love him, don't you? I really he, do. He, he divides the fan base at Reading a bit. Um, I'd love him. I'd love him in the Derby side. I, I, think, he's, I think he's really good. Mm. Uh, Pele? With a Pele-esque finish. Yeah, I think it was the summarizer on Quest said his whole name and what? Yeah, I didn't know who it was. I just know him as Pele. Yeah, and it was a Pele-esque finish. I think I think it was Reading Social released a picture of Pele and Puskas, Puskas, sorry, <laughs> um, and then compared it to the real. Sorry, not the real, the yeah, older Pele and Puskas. I know, which was quite funny. Uh, Birmingham 
Scott Hogan scored again, but not a great result from them, was it? No, going 1-0 up early on in the game, you expect them to build on it, but they sort of fell flat and Reading pounced on them pretty much. It is, it is a poor result. And what has been a good week for them, in the sense that the EFL didn't charge them? Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, we'll get onto that in a bit. Yeah. But yeah, poor result from them. And they've been on an unbeaten run recently, so... Um, I mean, it was going to end at some point, but it's disappointing from their perspective that they couldn't extend it. Let's talk about the other news from the week, Justin. Uh, We'll start off with uh, the coronavirus. Uh, EFL clubs have been told to cancel pre-match handshakes until further notice. Uh, You you say it's pointless. Why do you say it's pointless? Because what do you spend 90 minutes doing with on the football pitch? Well, it's interesting because now that handshakes have been banned there's more emphasis on when they do shake hands because it still happens. For example, when a goal is scored and you celebrate with your teammates, you all yeah. you know, high-five yeah, exactly. and what have you. So in that respect, yeah, it is a bit pointless. What, what do they... Because obviously at the, at the end of the game, all the players will go and shake hands and whatnot. Yeah. Did they still do it? Yeah, I think they I think they were pretty much doing that every game. It's a lip service by the Premier League and the AFL uh, the this week. Yeah, it is a bit daft. And it was the Liverpool game yesterday. It was very funny watching that. <laughs> I mean, <coughs> the spread of the virus, yeah, needs containing. Very serious about that. Fair enough. But this, the pre-match handshakes have no impact on whether or not you're going to catch it. No, no, no. It, it, it is very silly. Uh, I, I think the only real thing it's achieving is raising awareness of oh, the coronavirus. I mean, it's, it's a lip service. But everyone knows about the coronavirus at this point, don't they? Yeah. Uh, the, EFA, uh, the, EFA, the FA has provided its written reasons for banning Kiko Kassia for racism. A commission was satisfied of the evidence in excess of the balance of probabilities. Uh, Jonathan Lecco and Macaulay Bond both separately reported Kassia for racism. Uh, elsewhere, Jonathan Lecco said he had received no contact in the way of support from anti-discrimination bodies after he accused Kiko Kassia of racism. Uh, kick it out, though, deny this and say they had contacted Lecco. Um, he also questioned why it took 22 weeks for the outcome mm-hmm. to be decided upon. Uh, let's move on. Jude Bellingham has been linked with a move to Borussia Dortmund. Uh, we don't talk about transfer rumours too much, but this was a big one that was uh, spoken about quite a lot this week. Uh, reports in Germany claim he's set to join for £30 million. And Dortmund put a lot of emphasis on youth. I think this would be a good move for Bellingham. No, definitely. I would not go to an English club at all. No. Yeah, Dortmund or... Yeah, no, Dortmund's perfect destination for him. Mm. You want somewhere like a Dortmund or... I suppose, an Ajax or something. Or Leipzig, like yeah. When there's emphasis on developing younger players, you yeah. want to go there. And you look at players like Sancho, who have blossomed in those types of sides. Yeah, I'd, I'd go there 100%. It makes a lot more sense, doesn't it? It'd be a good move for uh, all fa- all parties, really, wouldn't it? Because um, yeah, need the money. Birmingham would need the money. And also, in the long term they would maybe get a good sell-on clause from it as well if he were yeah. to move for big books. And they the can sign Scott Hogan and satisfy my big man-little man partnership <laughs> needs next season. Yeah, as you mentioned, Birmingham have been cleared of breaching financial fair play. What do you make of this? Well, my only sort of background on it is obviously Kieran Maguire, uh, who's the football finance expert, and he's already mentioned that the Birmingham are more than likely going to get away with it 
don't know the ins and outs of it in too much depth, but I do know that their case wasn't as severe as Sheffield Wednesday's, which is why there's a lot of expectation around Sheffield Wednesday being deducted with points and obviously Derby are sort of in that middle bracket. So there's still a threat there for them. Um, but as I say, it's, it's good news in what has been a pretty... You know, dull week for Birmingham City, I think. Well, on the pitch it has, yeah. 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 Uh, let's move on. Middlesbrough chairman Steve Gibson says Jonathan Woodgate has his total support wherever it happens at the relegation-threatened championship club. He insists others are to blame for Borough's performances this season. Like himself. <laughs> like, like himself. Uh, Angus McDonald uh, was called up to Hall's under-23 squad. Uh, this is after he was diagnosed and he, he got cleared of bowel cancer yep. in the end, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a bit of good news for him. And finally, lettuce grown in space is just as safe and nutritious as when it's grown on Earth. NASA astronauts have done an experiment on the International Space Station using LED lighting. It's thought being able to grow food in space will be crucial for longer missions like going to Mars. Nice. Can't wait for that. Yeah, I look forward to going to Mars. Uh, let's do some polls, Justin. At the start of the episode, we asked you three questions. Three big old questions. We'll start off with the first one. Is the automatic promotion race over? Yes, yes. or no? 100% yes. 61% said yes. Oh, there's probably some pessimistic fans in that. Maybe. Or some optimistic Fulham fans. Yeah, <laughs> uh, who's the biggest shambles at the moment, Hull or Sheffield Wednesday? Ooh, that's a tricky one because Hull are terrible and Sheffield Wednesday are also terrible. I'm 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 undecided on this one. I can't answer. I think I'd say Wednesday because of how things are going off the pitch. But there's no at the moment. There's no threat of relegation like today at this time. But Hull are only a shambles because of injuries, really, yeah. aren't they? Whereas Sheffield Wednesday is completely. Um, self-imposed mm-hmm. uh, but people have gone with Hull at 60% okay. so relatively close yeah. this is close where do you store your tomato ketchup in the fridge or in the cupboard uh, it's in the cupboard <coughs> I go in the fridge well, 50, it was 50% each in the fridge it starts to generate that water at the top and then you pour it out and it's just but I like my tomato, just, I like my tomato sauce cold it's, that's just counter uh, whatever it feels still mayonnaise. That's also in the cupboard. Okay, interesting. But if you like your sauce cold, then you just put in like hot chips, for example, into it. And it's pointless. No, I've I've just always put it in the fridge. I I've, don't know why. Do you put? Because I had this conversation earlier randomly. Do you put like eggs and stuff in the fridge? Yeah. yeah. Where do you put them? Well, I put them in the fridge as well, but some people keep them out. Do they? Yeah. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Anyway, Craig Bryson pub quiz time, Justin. It's that part of the show where Justin has a mystery player for me. Why are you laughing? Just the way the conversation digresses and it's weird. People will relate and completely understand. Yeah. Um, Justin has a mystery player for me. It's a championship legend who has over 200 championship appearances. He's going to give me six clues. All I have to do is guess who it is without choking to death. Justin, what's the first clue? I'm, I'm going to add that. Okay, you're going to choke. <coughs> yeah. I'm going to add that. I'm on form at the moment. I'm on form as well. No, you're not. I haven't got one wrong. In I got one wrong actually. I yeah, but I'm on about getting guesses early. I I I'm awful. I get okay. them right at the end. Exactly. I'm like a, I get them at the death. Yeah. Anyway, I played 239 games, scoring 62 goals. Okay. Ooh. 
239. Yeah. That's quite a lot, that is. I'm trying to work out that strike. Uh, Dexter Blackstock. No. It's a good guess, though. Thank you. I played for six teams in the Championship before moving on to Crew, then Southport, and finally retiring. Cool. Crew and Southport. I won't be able to tell you anyone who played for Southport. Um, it's a weird move. Chris Porter. No. Don't think he's played that many games at Championship. He's not level. retired, he's still going. Is he still going? Yeah. Crikey. I made my debut in 1999 for Tooting and Mitcham in non league before moving on to Bristol Rovers, where I played with and for Ian Holloway. I should remember every player's time at Tooting and Mitcham. Um, who played in that 1999 Tooting and Mitcham <laughs> side? Uh, 1999 so that would imply if he was about 18 or something then he would have retired relatively recently uh, oh, I can't think of anyone next clue how many clues have we got left you got three left oh good I scored a hat-trick in the FA Cup against Premier League Derby in 2001 propelling me to the top of many shopping lists that doesn't help me this was why I like Bristol Rovers. Bristol Rovers? This isn't... They weren't a championship team, by the way. My knowledge of Bristol Rovers players isn't great. My knowledge of Tooting and Mitchin players isn't very good either. I'll make it a bit easier for you then with the next clue. Go on then. I then moved on to Wigan where I was best <coughs> known and I was part of that side that was promoted in the 4 5 season where I scored 24 goals in 45 games. Okay. Uh, say that clue again for me. I then move on to Wigan, where I am best known, uh, and was part of that side that was promoted in the 04-05 season, where I scored 24 goals in 45 games. Nathan Ellington. Yes. Is it Nathan Ellington? It is, yes. I did not know he played for Crew. It was later on in his career. I have a bit of a kind of affinity with Crew, because I use them as football manager quite a lot. They're mm-hmm. my football manager side, uh, but I did not know he played for them. And Nathan Ellington's a very good player. I, I I loved Nathan Anthony. That that Wigan side was incredible. Oh yeah, and him when, and Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. Players like Gary Till, Jimmy Bullard. Oh, yeah. Love it. That is a good good player. Do you want the last clue? Go for it. I am nicknamed the Duke after legendary jazz musician jazz musician Duke Ellington. Well, I would, I've definitely yeah. got that. I'd have definitely got that. Well, thank you for picking out Nathan Ellington and mentioning him in the podcast, Justin. I've always got a lot of time for that. Uh, have you thought about your inspirational woman? Um, no, but I will say my mother because it's the right thing to say. On it's nice. I'll go the Queen. Yes, I'm the Queen. The Queen inspires me. Um, thank you for listening to the Second Tier Podcast. It's been an absolute blast. Um, apologies for my persistent cough. It's destroying my life as it's probably destroyed the last hour of your life uh, and it will destroy the next week of Justin's life now that I've I'll probably catch it <laughs> uh, as I say thank you for listening I'm going again <laughs> right let, let's just end this here before I choke to death I'm at Cheltenham for the next week so if you're in the Cheltenham area then do tweet us and let us know uh, I'm going to have a great time and drink loads of beer and lose loads of money what are you doing this week Justin? Uh, just work yeah, fair yeah. enough in that case I'll leave you to it to get on with your work I've been Ryan Dilks I've been Justin Peake thank you for listening planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with Quince 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.